good morning again, Evergreen. It's, uh, it was great to have uh, that little interview with Eric up here talking about vision, and I hope that helps you to know where we're headed with uh, things at the church here and has given you a little insight into the processes. For our message time today, I want to kind of key in on one aspect of that vision, uh, one aspect of that report that our vision team gave us, because I think it is really an important part of our spiritual journey as a church together. And so uh, one of the things that the vision team had in their report was this statement. It says, Evergreen is Jesus-centered. And they realized how central this is to the identity of the church. So the vision team said, Evergreen is Jesus-centered, and that is very central to the identity of the church. Um, I do believe that Evergreen Church is a Jesus-centered church. And you might kind of ask yourself, well, doesn't that kind of go without saying? Isn't every Christian church a Jesus-centered church? Well, yes, of course, in, in some sense. But we're using Jesus-centered here in kind of a a, a specific way. And so we're going to unpack that concept a little bit here today of what does it mean to be a Jesus-centered Jesus -centered church. Um, there are a lot of ways that churches kind of organize themselves, and the way that we understand where Jesus fits into it all affects the way we understand the Bible, affects the way we understand our life in this world. And so we're going to talk, unpackage that just a little bit here today. Uh, it was mentioned in there that the heritage of this church kind of has led us to that point where we have become this Jesus-centered church. Um, it means that Jesus is the lens through which we see all things. I heard a a sermon this past week from a very well-known pastor who was preaching and saying that he believed that the lens through which we need to look at our world right now is through the lens of Elijah. And I want to say with all due respect to that fellow follower of Jesus, that I think at all times, in all places, in all ways, Jesus is the lens through which we look at our world. Jesus is the lens through which we look at our Bibles. And Jesus is the way that we understand our world. Now, I understand that Elijah has his place in the world and that sort of thing. But I want us to understand that we are a Jesus-centered church that looks at the world and looks at our Bibles through the lens of Jesus. There are other churches out there that would say that that is the way they organize themselves too. And there are other resources out there for churches. One of the best resources out there perhaps is a group called the Jesus Collective. Uh, there are a group of churches aligned around this concept of a Jesus-centered church. And this is what they, they say about uh, the, what it means to be a Jesus-centered church. God always looks like Jesus. I love that sentence. Let's catch that one first. God always looks like Jesus, and all Scripture is properly read 
through him. I think that's a helpful statement to understand that Jesus is the the lens and the way we understand Jesus. God always looks like Jesus. You see, Jesus and his Holy Spirit are how we understand our Bibles. If we don't have the Holy Spirit helping us understand our Bibles, we won't even understand what we're reading. And if we... uh, If we look at our Bibles and we look at our world, Jesus is the way that we understand how we live out this life of faith. God the Father had this to say about Jesus. He said, This is my dearly beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. God the Father said that about Jesus as Jesus was standing on the Mount of Transfiguration with Elijah and Moses standing right there. So now Elijah and Moses had their place in God's uh, providence. But what God is saying on that Transfiguration Mount, and he was saying it to his disciples and he says it to us, that this is my beloved son, Listen to him. Now, where we get kind of confused in some of this sometimes is that we kind of look at our Bibles and we try and average out what it is that God looks like. We we take a look at God in the Old Testament and we see pictures of him uh, as a warrior God. We see him as uh, what he did with Elijah at Mount Carmel and uh, how he, he destroyed the Baal prophets. And then we see a picture of God as shepherd, and we see God as a father, and we see God as a hurricane, or we see God, or a, a strong wind, or we see him as fire. All of those are biblical images of who God is, and we try and average them all out and try and come up with our image of who God is, and we get a little bit confused. But God tells us how we understand him is through Jesus. We listen to Jesus. Jesus had this to say to his disciples. He said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. He says that in John 14, verse 9. Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. God always looks like Jesus. Anyone who has seen Jesus knows who God is. And you see, Jesus is there in the Bible from Genesis 1-1 through Revelation 22-21. He is there through that entire word of God. And we understand our Bibles and we understand how to live in this world by looking to Jesus. The church, our church, And the church worldwide understands who God is and understands who the church is because of our shared center. What is the center of our church? The center of our church is Jesus. And we are all aiming towards him. And so when we have a tendency to want to draw lines and say, well, this is the in-group and this is the out-group, the idea is that we're supposed to be looking to Jesus and and asking Jesus to help us figure out how to live this life. 
We don't draw our lines around people and say they're in and we're and they're out and we're in and they're out. Jesus is at work with more people than we think he's at work with. One day John came to Jesus and this is in Luke chapter 9 verses 49 through 45. John said to Jesus, "Master, we saw someone using your name to cast out demons." But we told him to stop because he isn't in our group. <laughs> How much like us does that seem sometimes, right? We want to say, well, those guys over there aren't part of our group. Uh, they're not, the right, not doing it the right way. But Jesus said, don't stop him. Anyone who is not against you is for you. And, and then look what else Jesus does. In that same passage, he goes on, As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead to a Samaritan village to prepare for his arrival. Well, the Samaritans, surely they're the outside group, right? Oh, well, Jesus wasn't going to the Samaritans. But yes, indeed, he was going to the Samaritans. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? Man, those guys. You know, they would have made good Pharisees. They might have made good elders in some churches even. <laughs> they sound a lot like me. I'm tempted to want to call down fire from heaven. God, just get rid of those people that don't believe like I do. Let's, let's get them out of my life. I'm tempted to be that way, and I think those two guys were a lot like me. But Jesus turned and rebuked them. See, Jesus didn't draw those kinds of lines, even with people who rejected him. Even the Samaritan village that rejected him, he doesn't say, we're going to wipe them out. No, he's given them more chances. He's working with a lot of people, and, and he loves all these people. And he get, he's always giving us another chance. Jesus didn't draw those kinds of lines. He went to people who rejected him. He didn't destroy their way of life on earth. No, he loved them even when they rejected him and betrayed him. But that's hard to do, isn't it? It's hard to, to, to keep that kind of focus. How do we stay a Jesus-centered church? If we say we want to be a Jesus-centered church, how are we going to do that? How are we going to stay with that kind of a focus? Well... I don't have the ultimate answer for you, but I think there's a passage of scripture we could look at together that might be helpful in this. Let's take a look at Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 36. I'm going to read that whole section, which is a fairly lengthy section, but I'm only going to kind of deal with the part that I think is, is helpful for us to understand this concept of, of being a Jesus-centered church. Matthew 14, verses 22 through 36. Immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. Uh, the after this is referring to the fact that Jesus had just fed about 5,000 people on a hillside 
and he stays behind, tells people, it's time to go home now, (laughs) head back to your homes, and he sends the disciples across the lake in a boat. And meanwhile, after sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. We see Jesus doing this a lot when he's kind of depleted, when he's tired from, a, from hard uh, work. He goes and he prays and he went off by himself. Night fell while he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble far away from land, for a strong wind had risen. And they were fighting heavy waves. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them, walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. (laughs) I think I'd be terrified. In their fear, they cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once and said, don't be afraid. He said, take courage, I am here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come, Jesus said. So Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. Don't miss the fact there. He walked on the water toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat and the wind when they climbed back into the boat the wind stopped then the disciples worshiped him you really are the son of god they exclaimed after they'd crossed the lake they landed at Gennesaret when the people recognized Jesus the news of his arrival spread quickly throughout the whole area and soon people were bringing all their sick to be healed they begged him to let the sick touch at least the fringe of his robe, and all who touched him were healed. There's a lot going on in that passage. I'm I'm just amazed at how Jesus is just so giving of himself. Uh, He's just fed 5,000 people. He's up through the night. He calms the storm. He walks on the water and arrives on the other side, and he's still ready to do ministry that day. But the principle I'd like us to draw from this passage today is this idea of keeping our vision on Jesus or being that Jesus-centered church. Did Peter have faith here? I think he did. I think he had more faith than the others in the boat who didn't get out of the boat and walk on water. What if they'd all got out of the boat and started walking toward Jesus? I'm sure that could have happened as well. So Peter wasn't totally without faith. So when Jesus says to him, oh, you have so little faith, I don't think he's mocking him. I think he's, he's feeling compassionate for we humans who have so little faith. Peter had enough faith to walk on water, but he soon looked at the things around him and saw the world is a scary place. He saw how scary the waves and the wind and the water was, and he took his eyes off Jesus and he floundered and he was sinking in the water. Man, that feels a lot like me sometimes. I want to have faith. I want to have my eyes focused on Jesus all the time. 
I want to have faith enough to walk on water. And we say we're, we're a Jesus-centered people, and we say we can do this together. And we, we get out of the boat, and we start walking. A miracle happens, and we start walking on water. But then we look around us, and we start to get scared. Man, I look around at the world right now, and there's a lot of things to be scared about. <laughs> Is it always this scary in our world? I don't know. Maybe it's always scary. But right now, I look around, and I, I see a lot of things to be scared about. I thought of giving you a list of things that we could be scared about together, but I thought, no, you've got enough of that in your head already. I don't need to add it. I don't need to add to your list. But there's lots of things to be scared about in our world right now. And yet, Jesus calls us to keep our eyes on him, to not look at what's scary around us. He says, keep your eyes centered on me. He doesn't want us calling down fire from heaven on each other. <laughs> he doesn't want us to lob social media bombs at each other. He wants us to be focused on him, and he wants us to head for him. And we're all pretty messed up individuals, and we all do that to the best of our ability. We all have so little faith. And Jesus calls us to keep our eyes on him and keep our church centered on him. And when we have trouble understanding some passage of the Bible, because some of it's hard to understand, he says, look at me. I'll help you figure it out. When we see some part of the Bible that, that talks about death and destruction and we're feeling like, how do we understand this? Let's remember that he's our suffering Savior, our loving Savior who loves even people who reject him and betray him. He washed the feet of Judas the same night that Judas betrayed him. That, I think, is what it means to be a Jesus-centered church, is that we try to be a little bit more like Jesus all the time. And we have so little faith, just like Peter. When we have trouble understanding our, the, the Word of God, we remember that we should understand it better if we look at it through the eyes of Jesus. The early church had a few phrases that they used to remind them that they wanted to stay Jesus-centered. Uh, one of my favorites that the early church used is something kind of like what Peter said. Peter was, was drowning. And he reached out and he said, Jesus, save me. Man, I think that should be on my lips about five times a day. Jesus, save me. Save me from myself, save me from this world, save me from all the things that look so scary. But the early Christians uh, had a, a Greek phrase that they used. They would say, Kiri eleison. Kiri meaning Lord, and eleison meaning have mercy or save us is another way to phrase it as well. I think that's a good phrase to have on our lips a lot of times. Jesus, save us. Kiri eleison, save us. The, the early church used it in their worship services. They sang songs about it. 
the, they were always aware that they needed Jesus to constantly be saving them. I, I want to pray a prayer of salvation over us because we have salvation in no other person but Jesus. When we call out to Jesus and say, Jesus, save us. I don't know what I'm doing in this situation. I don't know how to do this thing right now, God. He saves us. Let me pray this pray, prayer over, to, over you. I'm going to encourage the uh, worship team to come back up. and We're going to just take a few minutes to just ask God to help us to stay centered on Jesus. To ask Jesus to save us in those difficult circumstances of life. When those times when we don't know what to do. And to save us from ourselves and save us from this world. Let me pray this prayer over you. Kiri Ileson. Lord, have mercy. Kiri Ileson. Jesus, have mercy on us. Jesus, save us. We are drowning. If we look away from you for just a moment, we will drown in the troubles of this world. We will drown in the fears that we have about this world. Kiri Ileson. Jesus, save us. Have mercy on all of us. May you be the center of all that we do. May we see everything through the lens of Jesus. When we don't understand something, we want to bring it to you, Jesus, and say, Jesus, you are that loving, suffering Savior, that humble Savior that washes the feet of your disciples. We want to see the world through the eyes of Jesus. We want to be a Jesus-centered church. For we believe that God always looks like Jesus. And so we pray, Jesus save us. Kiri Ileson. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.